You're listening to Second on the Mount, a podcast of sermons from Second Presbyterian Church, located on Mountain Avenue in Roanoke, Virginia. We are glad you found us. My name is Elizabeth Link, and I'm the executive pastor. Each week, we climb into the pulpit with a bit of fear and trembling. We hope and pray that what we have to say is true to God's will for the church and may encourage and challenge you on your journey of discipleship. Please rate and review if you enjoy. May the Spirit have some word for you in what we have to share. Let us pray. Holy God, we ask that in the word as it is read, proclaimed, and enacted in sacrament, that the living word made flesh will find a cradle within our hearts and lives. Amen. My Thursday morning Bible study has been reading Amy Jill Levine's book, Short Stories by Jesus, The Enigmatic Parables of a Controversial Rabbi. And recently, we discussed her chapter on the parable my Bible calls The Laborers in the Vineyard. After reading her chapter, which greatly informs my sermon, we decided that this passage might be more aptly called The Parable of the Strange Landowner. I invite you to turn with me in your pew Bibles to Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16, which may be found on page 795 in your New Testament. This is one of Jesus' longer parables. Hear these words for the church today. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again at about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around And he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired, about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the early 2000s, zoologist Sarah Brosnan and Franz de Waal from Ember University 
we're exploring the concept of fairness, the evolution of fairness, to be more precise. They wondered whether fairness were something learned or hardwired. At Brosnan's suggestion, they launched an experiment using capuchin monkeys. Pairs of monkeys who knew one another, who were from the same troop of monkeys, were placed in adjacent cages where they could see each other. They were trained to give small rocks to their human handler in exchange for rewards. In this case, the reward began as a piece of cucumber. This may not sound like a real treat to us, but it is an acceptable reward for monkeys and a far sight better than their regular monkey chow. So to start, both monkeys found this task satisfactory. Pass a rock, receive a cucumber slice. Pretty soon, however, the handler switched the reward for the monkey on her right. While she passed the monkey on her left the usual cucumber, she began to instead give the monkey on the right a purple grape. Grapes are a great treat for a capuchin monkey. They're the equivalent, the zoologists say, to fine chocolate or very expensive wine. So seeing the game had changed for the better, the monkey on the left perked up. It enthusiastically passed over its stone, cucumber. The monkey sniffs it and watches in dismay as its neighbor receives another juicy grape. Immediately, the monkey with the cucumber loses its mind. He sticks his arm through the cage and throws the cucumber in disgust at the handler and then shakes the cage door in fury. The pattern continues. The monkey on the left passes a stone, gets a cucumber, visibly rolls his head back in disgust, and beams the cucumber through the cage door, looking in disgust at his neighbor with a few choice monkey gestures. As a neighbor on the right enjoys juicy grape after juicy grape. The experiment was repeated several times using other primates, and the results were similar. Brosnan and DeWall concluded that fairness is a concept deeply rooted in our animal psyche. This brings us back to our parable in Matthew. In Jesus' story, a landowner goes out to where day laborers would congregate, waiting for work. Early at the start of the day, say 6 a.m., he comes to an agreement with some laborers on a daily wage. They travel with him to the vineyard and get to work. Nothing unusual so far. Then around three hours later, the landowner goes back and finds more laborers in want of work and hires them. Then around three hours later, say by noon, the landowner goes out and finds even more. Again, at 3 p.m., he goes out and finds some more laborers and brings them to work. And then finally, at 5 p.m., he finds more, the last ones left, and he hires them. At the end of the day, the landowner has his manager line up workers to receive their wages, with the last hired first in line and the first hired down at the back of the line. He pays the last hired, the ones he picked up around 5 p.m., and he pays them the very same wage he promised the first hired. The first hired gets excited. They think to themselves, if this man has paid them what he contracted with us, surely he will pay us more, given we've been here all day. But of course, 
We know the story goes that the landowner pays everybody the same amount, the usual daily wage. Whether they entered his field at 6 a.m. in the morning or 5 p.m. in the evening, the laborers hired first are incensed, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who was born the burden of the day and the scorching heat. I get their griping. Whenever I used to read this parable, I sympathized with them because I always pictured myself as one of the first hired. I get to work on time. I do my job. I get things done. I'm exactly the kind of person you want on your crew. Right, George? (laughs) And so I am gutted when I hear the landowner reply, I paid you what we agreed upon, and now you're angry because I've been generous? Take your money and get out of here. I don't like the way those lines sit. I particularly don't like the way that last line sounds. Take your money and get out of here. So maybe there's a reason it strikes such a dissonant chord for me. Maybe this parable is asking me to do what I believe all parables are asking us to do. To look at it from a different angle to place myself in another's shoes. If I imagine what it was like to be the last hired and receive such a generous wage, my perspective has to shift. The parable reads very differently for the workers that get more than they expect. Their experience is one of utter blessing. The envy, the bitterness, the grumbling, the comparison and dissatisfaction They all belong to those hired at the start of the day. To have heard this parable 2,000 years ago in its original context may also lend a different view. Most of the first century Jews who would have been listening to Jesus' story were more likely to identify with the day laborers than the landowner. They would have understood what it was like to worry about daily wage and wonder whether they have enough to support their family. At the same time, They also would have known about Deuteronomy's command to care for the poor. In her book, Amy Jill Levine makes the case that translating part of our passage to read others standing idle when talking about those late hires is not quite right. The Greek literally means without work. Picturing those laborers standing idle suggests that they were milling around or wasting time while the others were working but without work, has the better connotation of wanting to work, but not able to find it. The men that the landowner keeps going out and bringing into the vineyard are men who are wanting to work, men who are hoping to be hired. By the end of the day, the landowner has employed all he found. No workers were left out. In such a society, These laborers would have known each other. They would have been friends. In Jesus' parable, however, the first group hired doesn't advocate for those who were left. Each time the landowner goes out to get more people, the newly hired laborers are delighted. But they say nothing about their friends still looking for work. Again, the landowner hires more. New workers are thrilled, but they say nothing about their friends who are left. 
Again and again, the hired people are relieved to receive work, but they don't say a word about their neighbors until finally, at 5 p.m., all the people have a job. The landowner pays them all the same wage. This may not have been fair, but it was just. And it would have been fair and just if the first hired had spoken up for their friends who were still looking for work in the first place. Levine says that this parable reminds her, in some way, of the playground at her elementary school. Children were always lining up to choose teams to play one game or another. And the last thing anyone wanted was to be the last one chosen for a team. Once your name was called, you ran over with gusto. But you never advocated to your friends for your friends who were left. Even if you were among the last two to be chosen, as soon as your name was called for a team, hooray! You didn't care about the last one left. You were just grateful not to be that poor kid. Levine says that this parable makes her wonder, who cares about the last one left? It leaves her to ask, how do we make sure that no one is left behind? How do we make sure that no one is left without a place on the team, without a job, without a daily wage to take home to their family? She writes that this parable opens up the question, when do we learn it's not just all about us, but that we are in a community and it is our job to advocate for those who are in our community. It's our job to ensure their solidarity in terms of loving our neighbors as ourselves. The Old Testament book of Deuteronomy talks about God's command to care for the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the stranger, and that it mandates means by which people can care for those who are vulnerable. Jesus is not a Marxist. Jesus is not a capitalist. Jesus has not taken Economics 101 at Virginia Western Community College, but Jesus is interested in economics. As a first century Jew, he knew what the scriptures said about caring for the poor. He knew that farmers were commanded to leave the corners of their grain fields unharvested so the poor could glean food for themselves and for their families. Jesus knew that the scriptures declared everyone should be given opportunity to work for themselves. In this parable, Levine writes, he isn't talking about charity. He's talking about justice. Everyone should have the opportunity to earn a living wage. And the responsibility, Jesus is saying, is not only on the labor pool to advocate for each other. The responsibility is also on the landowners. The landowner in this story shows us that if you have more than you need, allow people the dignity of working for you. Allow people the dignity of working for a daily wage. It might not be the wisest thing you can do economically, but it's the best way you can live the way God wants you to live. It's the way we can help bring the kingdom of heaven here. At the end of this parable, what can the first hired really say? It might not have been fair that the landowner paid the last hired the same wage agreed upon with the first. But look at how generous this landowner was. The landowner gets the laborers he needs. 
He teaches the people in the labor pool a lesson, and he gets the reputation for generosity. In the end, everyone gets not only what is just, but what we would want them to have. Zoologists Brosnan and DeWall could not have fully anticipated the results of their primate study. Time and again, tested on multiple subjects, as I said, they received similar results. But a few times, with a few of the monkeys they used, the one who received the grapes time and again ultimately refused to eat their grape until its neighbor received the same. Or that monkey, after receiving several grapes, would offer a grape through the cage to his neighbor. Once these select few creatures realized they had more than their neighbor, once they realized their friend desperately wanted something like they had, they tried to mend the gap. We are quick to allegorize parables. We're quick to explain Jesus' stories as all about heaven and salvation and glory and a kingdom to come. But he's most often not talking about salvation or the life to come. More often than not, Jesus is talking about how we can sanctify daily living. He's talking about the mess of daily life, our pocketbooks, our responsibilities, our ethics. What is fair? When it comes to the kingdom of God, that's probably not the right question. What is just? Now that is a question worth asking. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.